As Shirley mentioned, um, the last time we were here, we were just ending Life Changes 21st celebrations, and then lockdown happened. And this is our first ministry trip since then. And so it's a wonderful joy to be here together with you. And if I could say, COVID has challenged and changed everything. There's a wonderful covert proverb, beatitude, if you want to call it. Blessed are the flexible, but they'll bend and not break. <laughs> and we've had to be so flexible and so adaptable. But in the midst of covert, God's kingdom has still been advancing. God's kingdom cannot in any way be restricted, hampered, or held back. It just operates in different ways and still advances. I know during COVID, I was just had a lot of wonderful time to be with Jesus, and I was reminded of a song. Some of you might remember it. Some of you might know it. I'm not going to sing it. It's by Matt Redman. It was in 2000. It's a song that's it's called The Heart of Worship, and it says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply coming, longing just to bring something of worth that will bless your heart. It speaks about him looking deep into our hearts. And it says, I'm coming back to the heart when it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. And I think COVID has stripped so much from all of us in different facets and different things. But I do believe that when we get stripped, we can see him more clearly. And I do believe that there are lessons that he's been endeavoring to teach us through covert. And I pray that you've taken a personal inventory to be able to discover that how many of you have found sometimes slowing down, being still and silent is difficult. I think that's one of the big things the Lord has been saying to us. We need to learn to be able to celebrate him in silence. Just to be able to be quiet and hear his voice. For us to be able to engage with Him that is life-giving. I really do believe that as the levels of uh, come down of restriction, our busyness doesn't increase again. Because then we haven't learned something. I believe we need to hear what He's saying to us and do that alone. Not putting a whole pile of things on our plate, and then we're spinning plates, they all fall down, and we fall down with them. I really believe God has been trying to teach us some amazing lessons through covert, and I pray you've made note of them to learn the lessons so we don't have to repeat the class again. Now, this morning, my talk to you, the social etiquette of relationships is always to ask, hey, how are you doing? How's the wife? How's the kids? How's sick so-and-so, et cetera, et cetera. But mine this morning is in a question form but I'm trusting it will provoke some thoughts for you. My message this morning is peppered with reflective questions. And if you forget anything else I've said, remember the questions that you can ponder them and say, Lord, dig deep. Dig deep. It's wonderful that we reach wide. We need to dig deep down. Because it's to the depth that we have in God will our influence and our reach be effective and fruitful. How is your walk with Jesus? And it's out of a genuine interest and concern. How is your work with Him? I used to ask the question to people, have you made a personal commitment to Christ? That was my go-to question. Because I'm concerned about people's eternity. 
But then I realized many have made a commitment, but they don't have a heart connection, and they're not really walking with Jesus. Many, sadly, have a two-hour coffee date with Jesus on a Sunday, not a 24-7 lover friendship with Him. And God is wanting to challenge our hearts. How's our walk with Him? How are we? Because you see, salvation is a wonderful gift and an event that brings you into a relationship with Him. Like a wedding is an event that brings you into a marriage relationship. The birth of a baby is an event that brings you into a parenting relationship. Our commitment to Christ brings us into a relationship with Him that we need to celebrate, but we need to grow in it. I remember Rigby Wallace, many, many years ago, he made the statement. He said, one of my greatest fears in life is next year, this time, to be the same as I am and not to be changing. One of the beautiful biblical phrases for describing our relationship with Him is called our walk with Him. Our walk with Him. Walk simply speaks of an unhurried, step-by-step, inwardly communing with Him where He is central and first in everything. I want to read that again. Walk speaks of a lifestyle of unhurried, step-by-step, inwardly communing with Him where He's central and first in everything. A number of verses in Genesis 3.8, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Genesis 5.24, Enoch, it says, walked with God, and then God took him to be with him. Noah, Genesis 6.9, walked blamelessly before God. God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, walk before me, the almighty God. And we know this one in Luke 24 well, when Jesus walked and talked with the disciples on the Emmaus Road, what was their response? Did not our hearts burn within us as He spoke with us? We need to have burning hearts in our relationship with Him as we walk and talk with Him 24-7 as lover and best friend. That's the kind of relationship of the community of people that changed the world. Now, does your walk with Him arouse the curiosity of others? Question. Do others that you, in your circles that don't know Jesus, do you walk in step with them? Is your walk different that it arouses curiosity in them? Can I say, I really believe as we walk more and more and step in line and closer with Jesus, our lives shine brighter for Him. I had something happen about a month ago that I've never had happen before. Just by way of an illustration, I enjoy kayak fishing. A number of the guys that I fish with don't know the Lord. And we have, I've had such fun engaging with them. And a number of had the privilege of bringing, leading them to a relationship with Jesus. And one particular guy, Cass, lovely Indian guy, been fishing with them. We never caught anything. We came back. And I always try and make it, I phone Shirley to say, love, I've landed on the beach I didn't catch any fish, but the sharks didn't get me. I didn't capsize. I didn't break the boat. I'm all in one piece. And I was just chatting with her. After I said, cheers, love. We'll see you later. He stopped. He looked at me. and He says, Wally, 
I've never heard anything like that. I said, what happened? Did he hear the voice of God or what? He says, no, Wally, I wish I could talk to my wife like you talk to your wife. And I said, you can, Cass, because the difference Jesus has made in my heart and my life. And that has started such a cool conversation. We spent the next half an hour on the beach chatting, and he said, I'd love you to help me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Does our walk with Jesus awaken the curiosity in others that we're living different? Because the Bible calls us foreigners and aliens. Now, I'm going to just briefly share with you three points of how to deepen your friendship and walk with Jesus. The first thing I want to say to you is pursue an intimate friendship with Him, with its Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Just endeavor to pursue an intimate friendship with Him. I remember in the late 70s, went to a particular conference where Joy Dawson was one of the speakers, and she had written a book called Intimacy with God Through Understanding the Fear of God. I remember listening to her talk. I don't remember too much about her message, but what she imparted was a deep, intimate friendship with Jesus. And I remember saying to God often, Lord, what she's got with you, I want to have with you. How her walk with you is looking so sweet, so precious, so intimate, so dear. I said, Lord, I want that. I bought a book. I was greatly enriched by that. And I'm endeavoring to walk and follow Jesus like that. See, salvation is a friendship request from God. Salvation is a friendship request from God. What is your friendship status with Him? Question. Close, intimate, growing or stale, stagnant, or acquaintance. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses, the Bible says, would speak with God face to face as friends speak. Jesus, John the Baptist, was called a friend of the bridegroom. You might say, well, Willie, I've got this cool friendship with him. I said, great. Another question. Friendships take time and are two-way. What is the last thing he said to you? Not a sermon you've listened on YouTube. Not last Sunday's preach. Not a book you're reading. No, no, what has his spirit been whispering into your heart? That is the governing thing. What has he been saying to you? Will reflect friendship from the heart. Can I say to you this morning, I really do believe with all my heart, our walk with Him, our personal, individual work, walk, will affect every part of our lives. Our marriage, our parenting, our work, our everything, when we learn to walk more intimately with Him. Secondly, on your walk with Him, discover who He is. His character, His nature, His ways. You see, knowing Him is the essence of eternal life. John 17, 3. Eternal life is to know Him, not just about Him. We all know Matthew 16 where Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, who do you say I am? 
I could ask you, you'd all repeat and quote back to me what Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, it's not flesh and blood that's revealed it to you, but my Father in heaven. There was that revelatory moment Peter had, and Jesus commended him. Now, if Jesus asked you the question, who do you say I am? You could quote Peter, but could you go beyond that? Who would you say of Jesus have you asked you that question? Don't just hold on a minute, Lord, and just go back on your latest notes. No. What is burning in your heart about who he is? Can I encourage you when you read your Bible, don't only highlight the promises, highlight the person of who he is. Because it's knowing him that will carry us through our tough times. You know, there's a number of reasons why Jesus came. He came to reveal the Father, came to fulfill the law. He came to destroy the works of the devil, etc., etc. The other day I was reading through Jeremiah, and I was, wow, I can link this to the New Testament, the Gospels. Jesus, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 2, from verse 13 to 19, he has these sin issues against the nation of Israel. But one of the things he said is the nation of Israel, my people, have lost their awe of me. And isn't it interesting, in the Gospels, numerous times, it says the people stood in awe of Jesus. His words, his miracles, everything about him, they go, wow, we have seen amazing things today. Never before have we heard these words uttered from a man's lips. When he calmed the storm, they said, behold, what manner of man is this? See, in your walk with him, all of who he is is restored. Shirley mentioned we've got a little grandson, Hunter, and I love him to bits. And when he sees me, he just lights up. We go for a walk around the garden, and we talk, and everything is, woo. He looks at the wind, woo. He looks at the trees, woo. He looks at the swimmer, woo. He just, everything is, Wow. And I believe when we walk with him, getting to know him, there's an awe restored in our hearts of the wonder of who he is. And I would urge you and encourage you to begin to dig deep into the personhood of who God is. And that changes everything. I have spoken in the past, and I just want a, a little reminder, is, is the, the character alphabet of who God is. And as you begin to dig into that, that he has all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus' parting words, all authority in heaven and earth has been given. You know, with just one revelatory truth of that, we shouldn't have fear in our lives anymore. He is the anointed one. And when we know the anointed one dwells within you, nothing is impossible. As Quentin may, all things are possible to God. When you know he's alive, I think that revelatory truth in the book of Acts was a mega one. That's why they could turn the world upside down. It's because they knew he was alive. And that was, that was one of the central part of their message. He was alive. Please, there's just so much. The third point to encourage you in your walk with him, embrace the nearness of his presence within you as you walk with him. I'll explain that for a moment, 
And I'm going to tell this at the next meeting at Milnerton with Gabe there, who I know is a Liverpool fan. I'm going to say to him, Liverpool stole this truth from the Bible that you will never walk alone. Because there was a promise Jesus gave us, and Liverpool stole it, and that's their major theme. You know, we know 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, where G, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, and I will walk among them. Can I urge you, you don't enter His presence. His presence lives within you. Old Testament, they had a literal temple where they walked in and out of His presence. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I'm coming to live in, so you don't have to go in and out. I live within you. We need to learn to acknowledge His presence, celebrate His presence, embrace His presence, become aware of His presence. Can I tell you what? We'll live very different if we were aware of that. Shirley and I were chatting the other day about some of the mega promises in the Bible, and they're wonderful promises of God's healing, God's provision, God's protection, God's providence and things. There's just many, many. I heard somebody once counted them all, 365. I haven't. I just believe them. There's so many. But for me, there's one promise that eclipses all promises. And the promise is this, that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, Lo, I'm with you till the ends of the earth. We all know Matthew 28, verse 19, about go make disciples of all nations. I'm so glad he didn't say, go, cheers, I'll see you when I return. He said, no, I am with you till the ends of the earth. I was reflecting on that where he says, no, surely I am with you till the ends of the earth. And he's talking about his personhood. And as I reflected, I began to think, yes, you said, I am with you. But then you also said, I am with you. The great, eternal, all-existing, self-sustaining God is within us and with us. So everything we face is conquerable with Him. That's why Isaiah said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and they will not pass over you. When you walk through the rivers, they won't sweep you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burnt. Just think about this truth. When Abraham left the Ur of Chaldeas to go to promised land, he had no map, he had no GPS, he had one promise, God says, I'll be with you. When Moses went to challenge Pharaoh, to challenge Pharaoh, he had one promise. God says, I'll be with you. When Joshua entered the promised land that was full of giants, his promise, God said to him, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. That's the power of a promise of knowing who's present. I want to conclude with this. If Job was interviewed and asked, how was your walk with God? He would have said, Ooh. He would have said, man, I had illness, sickness, tragedies. My wife even at one time said, why don't you rather curse God and die? You know what Job's response in Job 23.11 says? He said, my feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way 
without turning aside. Job was very aware of his personal walk with God. If he had interviewed King David and asked him, hey, how was your walk with God? He would have said, man, I took a few detours in life and made some of the dumbest, biggest, stupidest mistakes in my life. Please learn from me. However, at the end, Psalm 119, 59, David said, I have considered my ways and I've turned my steps to his statutes. Can I say in a month possibly or two, our little grandson's going to be taking his first steps, literally. But I'm more interested and excited about him keeping that woo in life spiritually. That he's continually wowed by the wonder of who Jesus is. I want to say it from this morning onwards. Besides the niceties of, hey, how are you? How's the wife? How's the kids? How's this? For you to ask one another from the heart, out of great concern, how is your walk with Jesus? How are you walking with Him? And you're not, well, if a person says, fine, say, sorry, that doesn't go down with me. <laughs> oh, I was in church on Sunday. That doesn't go down with me. But that's your coffee date with Jesus. What is your day by day, minute by minute, inward communing and awareness of Him, living to please Him first and foremost? I'm not negating that this isn't important. This is important. We've missed this during COVID. Our celebrating together, coming together to be envisioned and equipped and empowered, but then to go and walk as Jesus walked in the world following in his footsteps to make a difference. The second question you can ask people is what has he been saying to you from the scriptures? What have been his spirit whispers to your heart? Thirdly, how are you changing and becoming more like him? Because that's our ultimate goal is not heaven, but to reflect him on earth. Heaven is not our goal. That's where we're going to be with Him. But here on earth, we're called to reflect Him. I want to pray for you. The Holy Spirit will do the adjustments, help you to answer some of those questions that you can continually walk with. My heart aches when I hear how many have wandered from walking with Jesus, particularly because of COVID. We've got to help people back. We've got to help them back. And we've got to help one another stay on track. Father, I pray for every person here this morning that we would reflect on the reality of our own walk with you as covert to strip things, challenge things. You've helped us to understand that it's all about you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, it is our community gathering together to celebrate you on a Sunday morning enjoying you and one another and a good cuppa. But Lord, when we leave here, we want to follow in your footsteps and reflect you wherever we go. Father, I pray and ask that in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to be whipped off. Not raptured, whipped off. However, there might be some of you that haven't yet crossed the line of faith 
of saying, I want a relationship with Jesus that's meaningful, that's life-changing. I know there's a leadership team, and there's Quentin and a whole bunch of great guys here and ladies that will talk to you and help you to enter into that wonderful personal relationship we can enjoy on earth, and it concludes in eternity.